This podcast includes explicit language and sensitive topics that some may find offensive. All views expressed belong to the individual speaking and not a representation of any entity that we have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. It's a chance to back out now. That being said, if, if not, not, enjoy, enjoy the, show. the show. Five, more times than not, a black coach can understand those stories. Not saying all white coaches can't. Oh. Do coaches put black athletes in the best position to Three. When you play football, college football, it's like a killer-be-killed mentality. Like Two. It's, it's still unfair, but you know we haven't reached a point yet where it's you know racism is completely gone. It's still it's still there. One. Here, peace, blessings. How do you do? Hello. Whatever nice people say. The neighborhood <laughs> therapist, and I'm rocking with my brother Mike B. Yeah, yeah. And this is the Black Man Misunderstood Podcast. Blind, just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be Today, we're going to go back to a conversation that a lot of y'all have hit us up about, stating that y'all felt the energy, y'all remember certain things from college, set off some emotions in y'all. We said, you know what, why not? Because we feel like we missed a spot anyway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What spot is that, Mike? We talking about college sports, bro. Mm, why is that important? Because Today's world, especially when we look at the professional arena, especially with football and basketball, the sports is dominated by black, African Americans, you you name it. Mm-hmm. And then when we start to look at the other sports, you have the sprinkles in certain sports and in other sports, you know, it's multicultural with different ethnic backgrounds all around, like baseball. You know, a lot of Dominicans come up and play here. You got people from Asia and all this good stuff. So it's a a big thing in college because it's the same type of demographic when they go on their recruiting trips or bringing kids to the college sports. So I feel that it's a a big importance to bring up the college sports side because that's a whole side on its own. Okay, so let me ask you a question. We got a special guest in the house. But what makes this brother so special? In your words. In my words. So so what makes this brother so special um, is we played together in college. Uh, also, he was also my roommate. Um, but I'm sorry what makes to hear that. It, I am sorry to hear that. Whatever. Whatever. But <laughs> before he gets on, what makes him special is the man played on three different college teams throughout mm-hmm. his college career. Um, uh, and he's went through some great adversity at that. Being from a football family, um, his father, which he'll probably explain himself later on, uh, played in the NFL at one point in time and is now a coach. Okay. So, so I think he has a great, interesting look on college sports from the black man's perspective from his end. From from his story and then even from his family story, so that's why I thought it'd be great to bring him on. And with that case, I introduce you guys to uh, Mr. Jamie Johnson. Hey, glad you guys had me on, man. Appreciate it. Love you guys' show. Um, oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Tell us, tell us a little about yourself. Um, for those who don't know, my name is Jimmy Johnson. Uh, um. Like you said, I was my roommate. Um, come from a football family. You know, my dad played football. I've got three brothers. We all played college football. Um, you know, 
just born with the sport. It's like what we grow up with. That's what we that's what we do, what we love. Um, I was very grateful that, you know, football was able to, you know, allow me to go to college, allow me to do a lot of things in life. So it's just it's a great opportunity, especially for us black men, you know, the easy way to get out of bad situations that we grow up in, having sports as an outlet, not just football, but you know, other other sports as well. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Let's get right to the smoke. Tell Let's us, do it. Tell us about your college experience in regards to sports. As Jimmy stated, uh played college ball. Um I was recruited to play college ball. Um that process was it was it was cool. Um, you know, you have the coaches come to your Come to your house, come to your school, um, talk to you. Family, all right, met with my family, uh, college coaches and everything. Uh, I mean, high school coaches and everything. I uh, sat down, asked, asked about you. But um, when you got to campus, uh, first training camp, um, new experience. Uh, didn't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, you watch on TV, you listen to different things. Um, to see how your college experience is going to go. They give you a training regiment before you go into. Um, but you don't, I would say as a co- as college recruiting, sometimes you go in with expectations. Uh, some people expect to be starters and get plenty of playing time over the years. Um, I guess I was more so grateful that I had the opportunity to go to college and not really have to worry about uh, the money because I was on scholarship, but I can say my college athletic career was kind of crazy, because we had coaches coming in and out, specifically in my DB room. Um, I've had three different coaches uh, my entire four years, so almost every year I had a different coach. Um, And the DB coach that recruited me ended up leaving and then another coach came in, and it was just a different animal. And then our final, my final coach, my senior year, was also a different human being, which, which we, I'll delve in a little bit more because a little later, because that those were three distinctly different gentlemen to deal with in um, my college career. And in meeting rooms and on the field, so that's a little summary on college, my college. Um, just to touch on what you said, uh, it's a business. College football is a business. It's not. It's a lot different than what you might think it is if you weren't in it. You know, I know for me, even like in high school, the college coaches they wine you and dine you. They say all types of things to get you to commit to their school. Everything sounds great. Everything is going to be great. You're going to play a lot, yada, yada, yada. But as soon as you sign on the dotted line, you're there, basically. Sign your life away, pretty much. Um, It is what it is. Once you get into the system, you kind of understand how it works. But, you know, once they get to the college, everything changes because they're making those same pitches to the next group of guys for the next year. They're saying those same things to the next group of young men they're trying to bring in. So you just got to understand that, especially for, you know, any prospective guys that are in high school going to college. Like once you get to college, it starts all over. It's not like, like I said, everything they tell you that they're going to do, that may not be the case. Coaches get fired, coaches leave. Plans change, so you got to be able to adapt on the fly, really. You know, once you're able to do that, you make your experience a lot better. But for me, my college experience was kind of crazy. It was all over the place, to be honest. Um, I was a pretty good high school player, um, but I didn't start playing football until I got to high school, so I was kind of raw. I was physically, I was very developed, but I was raw in terms of like skill wise and, uh i shared a lot of time my senior year with another tight end who ended up going to uva 
and I didn't really get a lot of exposure as much as I wanted. I knew I was physically, I was capable to play at a high level, but my film wasn't that great. And so I was considering doing a, a prep year after high school to get, get some more offers. Um, I spoke with my dad about it. You know, uh, Mike spoke about it earlier. My dad played in the NFL for 10 years. He went to Howard University. Um, from He's from Georgia, but you know he's well known in the D.C. area as somebody who went to small school, made it for a long time. So I spoke with him about it. He was like, look, if you're good enough, they'll find you. You don't have to go to some big school. It's not, you know, kids think you got to go to Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson to make it to the NFL. Like, if you're good enough, you're good enough. The NFL will find you regardless of whatever school you go to. You can go D1, D1 AA, D2, D3, doesn't matter. So after talking to him, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to take your advice. So I decided to go to Winston-Salem State University in North Carolina. It was a D2 school in transition to D1AA. So they were like, it's like a five-year transition period before they can be like official. They were three years into the transition when they recruited me. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, by the time I'm a junior, we'll be D1. So it's not a big deal. So they recruited me down there. The offensive coordinator at the time coached my dad at Howard when he was in college. So there was a familiarity there. Things sounded good. They wanted to involve me in the game plan. Yada, yada, yada. So I get to Winston. It was a complete culture shock for me because I went to an all-boys, predominantly white high school. And then I went to Winston-Salem State, which is the HBCU. It was real, real different <laughs> when I showed up on campus. It was, you know, I was acting a fool. I didn't really know how to handle myself. It was kind of crazy. <laughs> Football was good. <laughs> Football was good. I started off good, had a good camp, started the season. I was playing as a freshman. Everything was good. In the second game of the season, I tore my ACL. And then everything just went crazy after that. So I tore my ACL. I was rehabbing. I missed the rest of the year. Going into the next year, my ACL wasn't healing as good as I wanted to. So I ended up missing most of the camp next year. The coaches ended up getting fired. They brought in a new OC. Uh, let me backtrack. The OC was a white guy. He got fired because he got caught saying the N-word in a meeting. Kind of crazy. Somehow he got out. You know, none of the people in the room took it personal. You know, they were all cool with the coach, but somehow he got out. He got fired because of that, brought in a new OC. The new OC brought in a new tight end at my position. I play tight end, by the way, or a new tight end. So in the, anyways, it went from I was on top my freshman year to my sophomore year, like I was trying to fight my way back up. So it was just a crazy situation how everything changed within a year span, right? But uh, yeah, man. At the end of my sophomore year, uh, news dropped that the school was discontinuing their transition to D one. They were like, we don't have enough money to finish the transition. We're gonna go back down to D two. I, I was like. I'm out. I didn't come here to play D2. I know this sounds kind of superficial, but in my mind, I was like, I'm better than this, right? I was like, mm -hmm. I want to play D1 ball. This is not what I came here for. And the situation had changed, too. It wasn't even like things were going great anymore. I was like, I'm splitting time with this other tight end, yada, yada, yada. The coaches that I thought I was coming here with, he's not even here anymore. So it's time for me to go. Um, in hindsight, <laughs> I probably should have stayed because they ended up going to the D2 championships like the next like three years because they recruited D1 players for the last, for the last like five years. So they, they were actually really good after I left. But anyways, fast forward, I had a couple opportunities. Um, I had a walk-on opportunity at the University of Maryland. These were my top three. I had a walk-on opportunity at the University of Maryland. I had a scholarship offer for from Howard and had a scholarship offer from Bryant. I had never heard of Bryant University before. Um, I don't even know how they got my number. I think they got it through my high school coach. I randomly got a call from Bryant University in Rhode Island. I was like, ain't no way I'm going to Bryant University. Not a shot. <laughs> Not a chance. 
I was like, my top two are Maryland and Howard. Uh, um, I really wanted to go to Maryland because I felt like I could prove myself there, but they weren't offering me money. They were like, you're coming off an ACL injury. You're going to have to come in here. You're going to have to basically prove yourself to earn a scholarship. Um, I felt like I could do it, but, you know, I wasn't real confident in my knee. And so I was like, like I don't want to risk it and go to Maryland and not be able to pay for school. I didn't want to have my mom pay for school. I didn't have the money for it. So, you know, it was a tough decision for me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Howard. That's where my dad went. My brother was there at the time. I had a brother who was playing at Howard at the time. But like, that's where I wanted to go. I basically decided that I was going to go to Howard. However, this coach at Bryant just kept calling me, like, every other day, calling, 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 blowing up my phone, calling my parents, calling me. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this dude will not stop. Just kept calling me. <laughs> Called, called my parents on, on Christmas, called on holidays. I'm like, he's like, all right, well, just come up for a visit. We're going to pay for your visit. Just come up, see if you like it. I'm like, well, all right, they paying for a visit. I'm not going to turn it down. So I went up to Bryant, had a great time. They had a great layout. Everything that they showed me was great. Everything seemed cool. I, was, I actually had a really good time. I had never been Rhode Island before I thought it was a great place. I was like, you know what, this sounds pretty cool. When it came down to the side, you know, I just weighed out my options and I was just like, you know, this Bryant school really, you know, they really like me, man. Like they're calling me. Like I, I, I felt the love. I wasn't really feeling the love from Howard. I was feeling the love from Bryant. And that's how they kind of reeled me in. So that's why I ended up transferring to Bryant after my sophomore year. That's how I ended up meeting Mike. So, yeah, well, yeah. I appreciate y'all both speaking on that. So the listeners are probably waiting on me to speak on my college sports experience. You're wasting your time. <laughs> 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 um, in my final year of high school, I fell out of love with football. I was still playing. We were still doing our thing. Shout out to the East Side Ghost. Um, but I just fell out of love with football. It's partially because of the NFL, because I saw that they was getting stuff on the hits and things like that, and everybody was getting flags. I was like, you know what? This ain't my thing. So um, I took a semester off. As y'all know, like I said, I went to PCC. Um, I did my thing there. And then when I got to that university that will not be named, they had a walk-on. I wasn't offering any scholarships and things like that. It, I wasn't even really looking, to be honest. But they had a walk-on opportunity. I went ahead and did it. Um, prior to that, I had a PCL tear from being a knucklehead in the street, uh, playing street ball. So I didn't have that big of a goal, but I said, you know what, let me just try it. So I did the walk-on, did all right, blew the knee out during the walk-on. That pretty much ends the sports section of my life with that college. I did play flag football. We did win the flag football championship, but does flag football really matter in college? Hell no. So, <laughs> that's, so you know, let, let's get into the nitty gritty. I didn't answer the listeners' question. So, going to college on a sports scholarship. Now, y'all both had the sports scholarship. I didn't. What is the difference? Um, uh, so, like Jimmy was saying earlier, college sports is a business. So, so people, people would think that, oh, like, they're just handing out full rides to everybody, and not the case at all. So, what happens is that they give out a limited amount of scholarships, depending on levels, uh, that means D1, A, D1, AA, D2, D3, and so on and so on. It gave a certain amount of full rides. But what these coaches end up doing is they give the kids that they really, 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 really want the full ride money, and then they split up the rest of the money and divvy it up between the athletes. And then what they go on to do is, oh, this person got a great grade. So they go look to get the academic scholarship, and then on top of the academic scholarships, they go look at the financial aid packages if you can if you qualify for Pell Grant 
and all these different type of grants to add on to basically form your financial package for you to join the football team. So me per se, I went to school on half football scholarship and half academic. Which is why you didn't get into that party. <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> Jimmy, what's up, man? What about you? Uh, being on college scholarship, football scholarship, I mean, there's benefits and then there's drawbacks to it. I feel like there's a misconception from the student body who aren't on scholarship because they feel like they feel like the scholarship athletes get special treatment mm-hmm. and they get like all this preferential treatment and stuff like that, but they don't see the other side of it. Like we work so hard just to keep our scholarship because like I said, every year the team's trying to over recruit you. Like so say I'm I'm a tight end at this position. They laid out the red carpet for me. We want you to come here, you're on scholarship. That very next year, they're going to be giving the same speech as somebody else trying to take your job. Because for them, they're worried about their job. The coaches are trying to keep their job. If they don't win games, they get fired. So they got to keep recruiting and keep bringing in more kids that's going to help them win games. So it's a business. But like I said, being on scholarship, like, you know, we got the 6 a.m. Work- workouts. We got yep. meetings. Yeah, you know, by, by the time it's 9 a.m., we've been up for like five hours doing stuff. The regular student body's just waking up. You know what I mean? Like they're they're getting up, they're getting ready to go to their 11 o'clock class. We've already gone through like a half a day of stuff already. And then we got to go to class. All of our classes got to be done by two o'clock. You get a you get a set bracket time. Mm-hmm. You get all your classes in from from nine to to two at the latest, really like one thirty, because at you like two thirty, you right back in the meetings at two o'clock. Then you get into practice for a three hour practice. Then you get to eat dinner real quick, and then after dinner, you got, probably got to go to study hall. It's like mandatory study hall for scholarship athletes at first. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're done doing all types of football stuff, it was like ten o'clock. They've had your time from from six a.m. The 9, 30, 10 p.m. And that's on the regular. So that's the stuff that you got to deal with being a scholarship athlete. Like, you, you know, you're, you don't have any free time. There's no, your time is their time. You, you on their time, right? If you want to keep your money, you're on their time. You got to do what they said. So, yep. yeah, scholarship athletes, yeah, we do get, they get benefits, you know. We get to, you know, leave class early during the week to go to games we can turn in work a little bit late and stuff like that and you know i can't even think of all the things that uh, uh students used to say about athletes but you know it's hard work it's like i said it's uh it, co- it comes with it you know you, you definitely earn that money the money they're giving you you earn it So let's talk a little bit about do coaches put black athletes in the best position to excel? Whoo. All right. So the answer to this question, it it's a lot harder than what people would think. You would have to say, you have to one, look out who is the coach you talking about? At this point in time, um, one and does and does that coach have tenure? Two. What does that matter? That matters a whole lot because because with coaches with tenure, they got a little they got more leeway to play with. So it's like it's like ten years. It's ten years. Ten years. Um, it depends. It depends on the school. Sometimes okay. it depends on the school. Because what I mean by tenure is like you got it in good with the AD. Uh, you're showing improvement with the football program and and all that good stuff. So like, so tenure, you, won, you won two championships. All right. So let's say you won two championships, but you had like five winning seasons. Gotcha. You you have a 
you have you have like a good good like I've done this. Yeah, you gotta give me time to like rebuild because you know it's, it's people don't understand there's cycles too with the players and how recruiting goes. There's cycles. Um, but favoritism, yeah, it, it it's there. It's there, and giving um black athletes a fair chance. I'm I'm honestly gonna say it's fifty fifty. You go with that middle stuff again, man. But bro, hey, bro, it's a lot of it's a lot of gray out here. Like I can't say. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no, bro. No, I'm like I'm serious about it. I'm I'm like serious about it because I can say my my freshman sophomore year DB coach gave me a fair chance. Mm-hmm. To actually get playing time and to potentially start at some point. Because he brought you in. Because he brought me in. There you go. And then the DB coach that came in after him, yeah, he was all about winning, right? But it and the kids that were brought in, he didn't even bring in. He was just he was just there trying to make a better name for himself, in my opinion. Because then he left. The final coach that I had, which happened to be a black coach at the same time, gave everyone a fair shot, even though coaches talk and let you know, all right, this is the player you need to be watching for, because coaches do do that. But he, I felt as though he actually gave everyone a fair to um showcase their talent. That's why I say it varies on the coach, because there's a lot of other, other, um, outside factors that people don't even know about. Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. Uh, it, depend, it depends on the coach. Um, it also depends on, on, you know, how you perceive to the coaching staff. Because, so, like, like Mike was saying, each, each year, the coach is going to bring in a group of guys, let's say 20 guys to get put on scholarship that year they bring in. They have plans for all 20 of those guys going in, right? Let's say the top five guys, they're like, oh, we think these guys are going to be players for us right now. And like the next middle guys, we think these guys are going to be developmental guys. And then maybe three guys are like, we need, these guys are smart kids. So they're going to bring up our GPA average because we got to make sure all, all of our players are graduating. So these are smart kids. They might not be able to play, but they're going to bring up our GPA. And maybe the last guy, like, oh, he's a developmental guy. He's a he's a practice squad player. You know, he's going to help us practice, yada, yada, yada. And I say that because some coaches are more willing to allow people to change roles throughout their career versus others. Some coaches will have in their mind, like, this is, what, this is the type of player I saw for you, and this is the only type of player that I'm going to see for you. So I've seen teammates that came in as maybe an unheralded recruit and they've actually played really well but weren't given the same opportunity because they were just deemed a practice player. I've also seen guys who were high-level recruits who weren't very good and they, they continued to get multiple opportunities because that's what they were saw as. You know what I mean? And so... It honestly just depends on the coach. I mean, I I do think that it's a blessing just to be on scholarship, like, you know, just to be on scholarship and be able to go to school for free. But in terms of, like, opportunities for for the brothers, like, you know, it just all depends. You know, there's, there's obviously thousands of success stories, but there's also a ton of stories where some guys don't make it because they weren't given a fair shot. So... Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm ask the question that I feel a lot of people just want to know: Black coaches versus white coaches. What's better? I feel as though they each have their own benefits. Um, because not every black coach is the same type of black coach, and not every white coach is the same type of white coach. Um. So there we have to understand that yes there is racism in coaches 
Um, but but people aren't like blatant about it, right? So so people use terms as like workhorse and you know all these other pronouns of me like oh yeah they're gonna give me all they got on the field and I'm gonna put them in all my key positions that I I need them to succeed and you know you get that on both sides from the black coaches and the white coaches but I can't say one is better than the other I think one is more understanding than the other sometimes yeah. uh, because a black coach could have went through what I went through growing up, going through the recruiting process and know or been affected as personally as I was like losing their mother at a young age or having friends who were killed on the streets or having a, Having a um a family where your parents are split, so you're splitting time between the two, like more times than not, a black coach can understand those stories. Not saying all white coaches can't, but it, more times than not, the black coach will understand that. I think you hit the nail on the head, Mike. Uh, it's not that one or the other is better. I just think that in my experience, and I've played under. A lot of coaches in my college career, um, the majority of the black coaches, they can relate to you better because they were in the same situation as you. Most, most of the black coaches that I play under played college football, played in the NFL. They, they, they did it already. They were in your exact same shoes that you're in. Most of the white coaches that I've played under, while they've been some good coaches and bad coaches, most of them played a little high school or they didn't play college and they just started coaching. They started coaching after high school. They didn't really go through the same experience that we went through. And so they just look at it differently. It's not that it's a, a good or a bad thing, but like I've noticed that black coaches, they'll be hard on you, but they'll also show some understanding of what you're going through. They'll be like, Hey man, I've been there before. I, you know, I, I know exactly where you're at right now. You no, know, with, the, with the other side, it's more just cut and dry. Like do this, do that. It is what it is. Yada, yada, yada. So, okay, All right. Does college sports prepare the black man for the working world? Ooh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Right. So, so it goes, it goes back to when, in the original college episode, when I say I chose to go to a predominantly white school because I wanted to understand where they were coming from. So you're constantly going to have the black athletes there, right? More times than not, you have weight. Like, the numbers are more even or greater when it comes to uh, college sports and the ratio. Um, But at the same time, if you look who's in the top positions running the program or um, running the drills or who's like, the OC and the DC, in our case, the OC and DC were both white men. The head coach was a white man. And basically, they're telling you what you need to do. And growing up uh, on the field and learning how to react and things of that nature. So that side of things you see, like, you, you see how you handle pressure more when it comes from those individuals. Cause like, like we were saying before, like the black coaches may be harder on you, but they understand on, at the end of the day, sometimes these white coaches do not. Um, they'll bark at you, but they may not realize that something's going on with you personally that you may not tell the whole world. Um, and that is basically like it's kind of setting you up for failure, but at the same time, it it is on you to tell to tell people what's going on or to go seek the help that you need. Um, 
that's one side to look at it, how it prepares you for the working world. But then the other side of it is all the hours you put in, all the hard work, all the time that you put in to prepare for games, um, uh, to prepare for the season, to get your body to where it needs to be. That that also prepares you for the working world because you know about preparation. You think you think ahead of, about things sometimes. Like you'd be like, "All right, I got this presentation I got to do, but we got to practice this time and this time and this time right before we get to the presentation." Um, and you going over your errors, your mistakes to basically put your best foot forward in the end of a presentation, or Let's say you're a salesman and you really have a hard sell and like you have this client that you're trying to get, but they're they're basically just giving you every other answer that you're not trying to hear. But in like on a football field, you know that all right, we may be down, but we we not out. Like you could be down by like two touchdowns, you know, you have to overcome that some way to win the game. So it, it, it's it's a lot of different pieces that show. Uh, a lot of different pieces that show and that you can bring into the working field to prepare you also. I think the biggest thing for me, and I agree with a lot of the things that Mike said, the biggest thing for me is just like the the competition is, it's it's the same. Like I bring it over from sports to the real world. Like when you play football, college football, it's like a kill or be killed mentality. Like every day you got to perform Perform, or somebody else is going to take your spot. Yep. If you don't perform, then you're not going to play. And I realized once I got out of college, not that every job that I've worked is like I'm trying to be better than you. Some people are like, no, hey man, it's not a competition. For me, it is a competition. You know what I mean? Like that's just how that's just how it's been. Like you play college football, it's like you know, if you want to play, you got to compete. You got to beat somebody. So in the workplace, I'm the same. Like, I'm trying to be better than the next person. You're not going to be better than me. You know? That's probably the biggest thing for me. That's, that's definitely insightful. Definitely insightful. Um, because before y'all spoke on that, I looked at college sports and professional sports as a big old slave market. It's My thoughts. <laughs> well, well it's no, it- it's that too. No, to be frank, it is that too. No, so no, but y'all, y'all gave a good good insight to it. I'm not mad at that at all. So let's get into why I really feel like it's a slave market. It's unfair because I, I I'm pretty sure y'all can hear the undertone in my voice as I'm speaking on it. I'm a little jaded towards college sports, man, because I see it on the outside looking in and I see what a lot of my brothers are going through. Like you said, I had a cousin. I had my, my cousin play college sports all four of his years. Um, and I saw what he went through. And it got to a point where the coach that, you know, was coaching them basically told him like, hey, we want you to do this. Now, I can't speak on what they wanted him to do, but they wanted him to do some pretty wild shit. And he was like, nah, I got integrity. I'm not doing that. They benched him. He was one of the best athletes on the team. I want to say he was the fastest athlete on the team. And they benched him because he wouldn't do something that they asked for. So the person that they put in his position got in trouble. Right? Mm, Yeah. When he got in trouble, the police were involved. Oh, wow. When the police were involved, the crime that he committed, allegedly, he was supposed to go to jail for. He didn't go to jail. It was hundreds of witnesses that seen him do it. He didn't go to jail. That kid was still able to play that next game. Question for you. Was the kid that did it also black or Caucasian? Different hue, which is where I'm going with that. He was a different hue. Okay. <laughs> so my cousin had never been in trouble. You know, my cousin wasn't a knucklehead. That would be me, right? <laughs> okay. Why is getting in trouble in college as an athlete so different being a black man as opposed to a white man? Key point. You had 
that um I don't even remember what sport, but I don't know if it was cross or football, but he raped that black sister in the alleyway. You ever remember that? I remember that, but I don't remember what, what type of athlete he was specifically. It, it yeah. don't matter. It don't matter. Whatever sport he played, he was trapped. Okay. So <laughs> why is that different than black brothers having a I don't know, let's say they in a frat and they have a frat party and somebody fight in the frat house, the it's two athletes at fault, they gotta go to jail. They're fighting. They're intoxicated. Yeah, they're underage, but what's the problem? We didn't, you know what I mean? So I, I need a, from y'all point of view, how do y'all feel about that? Did y'all feel persecuted as black male athletes? Or is the rest of the world tripping? Nah, I was persecuted. Um, I'll bring up one situation uh, freshman year. Um, this is before Jimmy got there. Um, one night, I guess, an individual was going into females' rooms. And I think one or two of those females said there was a black person. So now... Going to the school I went to, all the coaches of the sports teams got called. Because they specifically said they believed that the person was a black individual on the basketball or football team. So When you say going into the girls' room, you mean by force? Like, they were just opening girls' dorm room doors open late at night. They were leaving their dorm rooms open? I'm not understanding that. Oh, yeah. Some... Uh, in college, you know, you have that, you have the, on the back end, you can turn the knob and lock your door, or you can turn it and keep it open. If you leave it open, people can open up the door and come in. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, nah, I didn't know nothing about that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, I remember our head coach calling all the black freshmen, because it was in the freshman dorms, and asked us what we were doing that night, and when... We all vouch for each other because more, more times than not, you know, football players stick together when we go out. Or they were roommates at that point in time. We all were in different areas from the times that they were saying. So it, it couldn't be one of us. And I was with both the basketball and the football team. Um, I'd say that... Uh... Specifically at PWIs, not really at HBCU, because I went to HBCU and you don't really have that issue because everybody's black. But at PWIs, I think the issue is that, you know, black student athletes can be used as scapegoats when yep. things go wrong. Okay, so. Most importantly, because most majority of the black student athletes probably wouldn't be at that school if it wasn't for the sport. So you gotta look at it from the macro view coming from the cop from the top. Like they got this big university, they got all these students, and then you got like a small percent of your students that you probably don't want there to, to begin with. You probably don't even want these people on your campus, but they're bringing you in money. So you're like, I will right, we'll tolerate this two percent of our campus population because they're good at something. They're good at football or basketball or whatever. But yep. when things go wrong, it's very easy to be like, oh, that black kid on this team did it. And it's easy to just put it on one of those guys, right? It's it's very easy, like, if, if something happens late at night on the street and you're standing there next to a regular white student, they're just going to assume that you did it. You're walking around, you're the black athlete on whatever whatever team it is. You're probably gonna be the one who gets picked first. You might not have done it, and they might eventually get to the truth of the situation, and you know, you might not get in trouble for it, but they're gonna look at you first. <laughs> so college taught me, man, you gotta be on your P's and Q's as a as a black student athlete. Like you gotta like yep. make sure you unless <laughs> unless the situation is involving two african-american student athletes where they can't really blame anybody else like if it's going to be between you and somebody else they're going to choose you so make sure you you know make sure you stay away from situations like that it's just it is what it is 
it's it's still unfair, but you know, we haven't reached a point yet where it's you know racism is completely gone. It's still it's still there. Yep. Now, Jimmy, you brought up an excellent point. You said that a, a good majority of the black students at a PWI, also universities, publicly owned, right? Yeah. Yep. Are athletes. Right. So I'm gonna ask a hard question. Is a scholarship the only way we as black men, black community can access college? You whether, it be, whether it be academic, whether it be sports, is, is a scholarship the only way? Just scholarship in general. Yeah. Yeah. With that answer, more times than not, yes. Mm. Yeah. Because going to college, people say, all right, go to college. You know, they beat, there was a point in time where they really beat going to a four-year university in people's head. Yeah. And when they beat that in your head, the next thing they would say is, oh, they either ask you two questions. One, how's your grades? Mm-hmm. Or two, do you play a sport? This is a fact. This is a fact. So, so, so that that's something that was ingrained in us from like a young age. Because you know, people start when people see you have potential, one way or the other, they start asking these questions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, majority of black folks. For them to get in, yeah, scholarship is a big, it's a big component. Even if it's a small one or, or a big one or half or a whole, it, it is a big component for people to get into school. Because then if, if you don't do that, that's why we have so many people with these loan issues now. Because that's the that's the other thing we tend to do. They tell you, "Oh, go get a loan, then you'll get a job and you pay it." But they don't tell you that the chances of you getting a job out of school may be a little lower, depending on the market and depending yeah. on what field you go in. So yeah. that's a that's a whole nother ball game right there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Just you know, a- after the school. Fills this quota, you know they got a quota for the amount of kids of color that they're bringing into the school. So yeah, like if you got good grades and you fit in that in those under those parameters, yeah, you can get in. But after they fill their quota, then it's like, all right, what what are you bringing to the table that's better than this other kid whose parents got money and we know they can be able to pay to get into the school? Ooh, you talking? You That's talking. how they gonna look at it. That's how they gonna look at it. If you're not an athlete and you're not a great student who comes from a, like you know a well-off background, middle middle class background, like when it gets down to the you know when it gets down to it, they're gonna look at you and be like, "We're not gonna take you versus this other kid. This other kid may have terrible grades, but we know his parents gonna be able to pay." So we yeah. take him. Mm. You know, it is what it is. It's unfortunate. But... Very, very unfortunate. Um, I guess that's going to definitely lead to my next few questions that I have because we got to ask, what can we do? But in order for us to answer that, we got to answer this question first. So if y'all can go back to freshman year, knowing everything that y'all know today, what would y'all do differently? And would you keep the same major? I love being a psychotherapist, but it's something I would have did later on as I got older, like way older. I would have stuck with my first love, which was engineering. But knowing everything that I know now, man, would I have navigated the system differently? Because I have single-handedly, with my own eyes, watched people that were completely terrible in school get a four-year degree by paying someone to do all of their work. (laughs) It is the craziest thing I have seen in my life. I sat there for four (laughs) years 
<laughs> and racked my brain and did all these exams and essays and 20-page term papers and shit. Bruh. Just for a little skinny mini to throw down $150. Money can buy everything. What? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying I would have did it. I'm not incriminating myself. I'm just telling you it's loopholes around the whole college thing because at the end of the day, now I'm looking at my piece of paper as a piece of a tree. That poor tree could have been still outside. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. There handful of stuff I would change or navigate differently. Uh the one thing I would probably change is my major for sure. Uh would have been marketing from, from the get-go. Cause then I would have end up doing my internships over the summer. Um, to get my a better foot in the door. Um, two personally, I may not have gone to college with a girlfriend. Uh, that was a detriment to me. Oh, shit. <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> oh. And and Damn. and let let me let me state this now. And no, it was not because of sex, people. This is me being the person that I am and that I I end up giving my all and not put my focus in the right things I need to focus. Um, okay, so Mike being nice. He really want to sing that big song song. Bitch, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> silly. Silly, but nah, truthfully, because I think I put a, a lot of focus into my relationship to make sure it worked and it, it it weared on me. And I didn't present my best foot forward in the classroom as I should have. Uh, freshman year? I just would have been more like, more focused on the things that were important, kind of what Mike touched on. I was just kind of all over the place my freshman year. I was... In the social life, I was like one foot in the social life, one foot in the sports, one foot in the school, one foot in the whatever. Like, you know, I was just kind of all over the place. So if I could do it again, I definitely would have been like, I don't want to say I would have been more into like my schoolwork and stuff because I wasn't a terrible student. But especially in the sports aspect, I would have just been like, you know, if this is the thing that I want to do, then I need to be more be more on top of it now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty about to close out but mike brought something up that i just can't let him swing by mike lying <laughs> so mike <laughs> mike i mean this question is for all of us but mike i'm gonna pick on you oh god here we go should your sexuality be explored in college <sighs> Mr. Christian, Mr. Churchman, talk to me. I'm going to call you out too if you like. Oh, I, know you. <laughs> I love the smoke. I love it. Look, 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 look. I was your roommate too, so don't lie. I know. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> look, look. I'm going to say, yes, I definitely had my fun. Um, Should you and know? what? Should you though? That's that's because that, um, I, I don't want you to get too personal. I just want you to tell us. No, no. She, um, I don't know if you can say should or not. It it, it varies from person to person. That's because, like, yes, I'm a Christian, and mm-hmm. sometimes I I I, I go back and thinking like, dang. Should I really have done that at all and question myself? Um, but on the other side, of course, I I did enjoy. I'm not gonna say I'm not I didn't. I I, I did enjoy myself at the same time. Um so it's up to the individuals, my say. If you want to do it, do it. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's up to you. That's a safe answer, man. Well, no. It, it, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm like, people gonna do what they want to do. Period. Like, well, you know what? Fine. You don't want to bring the smoke. I'll bring the flame. Oh God! Here you go. Come on. Listen, listen. This is strictly my opinion. This is not a professional opinion. This is just the neighborhood therapist. You know what? This ain't even the neighborhood therapist. This is just okay. This is Patterson just. I feel like if you're going to go to college and be around all of that and you plan on getting married and things like that, if you're not about to save yourself for marriage, I feel like you definitely need to explore because I would hate for you to get into a situation where you get married and you're having sex with your spouse and you don't understand that you're having terrible sex with your spouse. <laughs> the, the, the great MC, Erica Badu, has the same. If you had asshole your whole life, ain't it a shame you don't know what good pussy tastes like? Come on now. Come on now. I feel... Come, hey, listen. Listen. I give you that though. Listen. <laughs> listen. We need... If it, again, it's, it's, I agree with you, Mike. It is your choice, but you should definitely explore. I believe that um, men and women have what I call a whole face. And once you get it out of your system, you should definitely settle down with who you're with. Now, I'm not telling you to go be super, super <laughs> whole. I'm just telling you to explore your sexuality, figure out what you like. And then this way, when you're with the one that you want, you love for who they are, the sex is a plus. Because your relationship, your marriage should not be about just sex. It should definitely be a factor, but there should be other things involved. You shouldn't just look at the person and get with them and be like, well, yeah, they putting it down. All right, yeah, that's cool, but what else do you bring to the table? And I think college exposes that for you if you, you know, branch out a little bit. But again, to those, shout out to those that are um, considered to be versions through college and they held their own, you know, much respect to you. I wasn't built for it. But God bless you. <laughs> what about you, Jim? Uh, I definitely think you should. Um, if you don't want to explore your sexuality in college, that's fine. I, I would just caution you that, you know, don't expect to go into college expecting to find, like, your your husband or wife, because most of the people who are there are going to be exploring their sexuality. So you're going to set yourself up for a downfall if that's what you're expecting. Now, I'm not saying you can't find that. There are lots of people who find, you know, their loved ones in college. That's great. I'm just saying. I think college is the perfect opportunity for you, you to explore your sexuality. Never in your life are you going to be in a place with thousands of other people of your age who are also looking. Like it's just one big like bar social. You're never, never in your life are you going to be in a situation like that. Because once you leave college, it's not like you know you see people who are single out of college. They try to find people. They got me. They got to use dating apps and they gotta mm-hmm. go out like uh, in college it's you got a whole bunch of people that are easily accessible to meet and greet and do what you need to do so it's the best it's the best time for you to do it there's no other time for you to you know there's no other better time for you to explore yourself sexually than when you're in college now, like i said if you don't want to do it that's on you it's not you know it is what it is but i mean like live your life learn like you said learn what you like and what you don't like so when you do decide to make that choice, you know exactly what you're looking for. Like, I've been down this road before. That's not the type of person that I want to be with. Or this is the type of person I'm looking for because of experience. So that's what Absolutely. I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with closing, what words of wisdom do y'all have for people who want to pursue college? So I don't know. They're in their senior year or their freshman year of high school. What words do y'all have for them? Um. I would say be be smart when you're picking your college, making sure it's in your budget, um, whether you have a scholarship or you're going on financial aid or you're getting loans, um, making sure it's in your budget. It's something that you can manage. Um, and then for the athletes who are looking to, to get recruited, um, listen see all the offers um 
and go with your gut feeling. Because more times than not, your gut feeling is always the the right feeling for you. Um, and just don't go for the glitz and the glam and the name and the rah-rah. Because sometimes that may not be the best place for you. My advice would be to, this, this should apply to both the athletes and the non-athletes. Um, know what you're going to college for. Like, figure out what is your reasoning for going to college. Like, what do you want to get out of this? Like, is it, I'm going to college so I can get a good job in this field, or I'm going to college so I can, you know, play a sport after, or I'm going to cut, like, whatever it is that you want to get out of it, just keep that as a priority while you're in college because it's very easy to stray once you get into college and i'm not saying you can't change your mind once you get there but just you know keep your priority first like whatever you came there to do that's what you you're there to do now you can still do you know have fun i'm not saying don't have fun you can party do everything but just make sure that you keep whatever your priority is for going keep that as your main focus so you know that kind of ties into what you know, with Mike, like for prospective athletes too, like what what is your priority for going? Like, you going to try to play? Because some of these schools, you're not going to play. So, so, is it really is it really the best situation for you to go to this this other school because they're you know they're telling you this, but you're not going to play? So, what's the point? Are you going to be happy at that school if you don't play? If yes, then then go. If no, then maybe you need to go to a different school. Maybe a school that you might not think you want to go to, but you're going to play. Like, what is it? Do you want to go to play or you want to go to just enjoy the college experience? Mm. So just keep that in mind, man. Like, there's no no other reason why you're going, and then it'll it'll work out. Regardless of what happens, it'll always work out. You know what you're going there for. Yeah, Mike, Mike and Jimmy pretty much hit it on the head for me. Y'all stated almost everything. Um, the only thing I would add is, if your major is not something to do with being a lawyer, a doctor, um, something like that, engineering, something that absolutely requires a degree and you going forward, I would say look into a two-year um, college, look into yes. certifications so you can save some money. Um, trade schools. You, yeah, trade schools, yeah. Unless you just really want to get that college experience, like Jimmy said, um, there's not much of a difference other than the dorm room maybe some of the parties um, and some of the males on campus, some of the females on campus. You know, you get a different pick of the litter if that's your thing. But other than that... When you're young, you don't know that. You don't know that when you're young. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, I would say save that bread. Save that bread unless you just absolutely want to experience college, experience university. But if you're going to, well, I want to be at the football game. Yo, fam, you can pay a yes. ticket to go to the football game. Hey, yes. You don't have it. You ain't got to be stuck at one place either. You can go wherever you want. That's what I'm Make and some friends school. at the university and there they can go. get you into the party. You, you can. You can... <laughs> yeah. And another, you another thing. Yeah, that's a fact. Another thing they don't tell you is um, a lot of people go to universities for the football games, right? And for the sports games, period. They go for the males and females, but then they also go for the, the workout center. Do you know that you can pay for a membership fee at the workout center? You do not have to be a student. So I, I, I wouldn't tell the youth to shy away from college. I would just say, like Mike and Jimmy said, make sure you have a plan. Make sure that plan comes with contingencies, which is an ABC. And don't forget your goals. Pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. But make sure your end game makes sense because you going to, I don't know, Wake Forest University is no different than you going to Hampton University other than the experience. Because at the end of the day, the business that you're going to apply to is just going to see, oh, you got a bachelor's degree? All right, cool. Unless, right. right? <laughs> the, the only reason it would make sense to go to Hampton university or you know this university over that university is if somebody on the hiring board specifically went to that college and you know it yeah and that's that's playing the game at that point 
But those are my final words for you. Fellas, anything y'all want to add? Nah, man, I think we, I think we all covered a good chunk of it. Jimmy, I definitely, definitely want to tell you we appreciate you being on here, man, and taking space. Yeah, man, sure. Anything at all, fellas? I'm good, man. I appreciate the having me on. I'd love to come back on whenever you guys want. Love you guys' show. Appreciate Love the good work. Appreciate it, man. With that said, people. Love is love. Is love, is love.